0: In a matter of about a week and a half, we completely flipped our entire business structure around to a complete different market, a complete different industry, and it's just completely taken off.
1: Welcome to Profession Session. I'm your host, Brody Vinson. And on this show, I talk to professionals of all different types and figure out how they achieve success so that you can hear about how they did it. Today, I have Andy Varns on, and Andy and I have actually been building a business together along with a couple other partners over the course of the last about almost two years now. And uh, we just wanted to come on and kind of give a little year-end review, uh, talk about the origin story a little bit, and talk a little bit about the successes and failures and trials and tribulations we've had in building a business that has been able to luckily continue to grow. Andy, thank you so much
0: for coming on. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: So the uh, the name of the business, if you hadn't caught on yet, is Chef on the Fly. We're wearing the polos here. And uh, we just wanted to talk a little bit about what the business is. People that know me know what it is, but I haven't really talked about it a ton on here. So we just wanted to kind of get into that.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And a little background of the business, Brody is the CFO of Chef on the Fly. He does an awesome job. I used to be the COO, Chief Operations Officer. I have now moved into the CMO, Chief Marketing Officer, into, I think, is a much better role for me because our COO, who is an absolute beast on everything, that's uh, Adam Barbaria. And then our CEO is Peter Silvano, who is kind of the godfather, uh, as we as we call him for for everything. Who uh, who uh, one day the the four of us will get together on a on a podcast, maybe have one. So,
1: yeah, I think uh, we'll get more into talking about both of them. Adam's whole story with us is kind of representative of the whole growth of the company, and I definitely want to focus on that because that's been probably the coolest part of growing the company is seeing what Adam's done, but. I think starting at kind of the inception point of the company and going from there is the best way to do it. Really, we'd started the company kind of at the beginning of 2021, but it took a really long time for things to actually pick up and for business to happen, so to speak. It was a lot of kind of ideating and figuring out what we thought it wanted to be so that we could figure out what it wasn't going to be.
0: Yeah, yeah, it, it, exactly. The the original idea was to create an app on everything, and and that app still may happen. We we still see there could be a, a market for it on everything, but the the app was originally the idea. But you know, for unforeseen things happen, and we got put into a position to where in a matter of about a week and a half, we completely flipped our entire business structure around to a complete different market, a complete different industry, and it's and it's just completely taken off and, and you would never have known.
1: Yeah, to give a little context there on the app thing, so Pete Silvano, our CEO, we'd say that he's the godfather of this whole thing because really the idea was his um, in the first place. It was like, it was his brainchild. He thought of this whole thing and it was because he had built this insanely vast network through Facebook and other channels of chefs and uh, cooks and food service workers, because that's the industry he came up in and continues to operate in. And he's built that network over 35 or so years and really, really grown that. So he had identified this need in in that industry, which was that there were many people in need of work, especially through COVID happening, many people in need of work in the industry and also a huge need for good workers on the actual employer side. And really this was meant to be something, this company was meant to be something that could help merge those and bring those together because he identified kind of a gap in the fact that it was difficult for those, uh, for good talent to be found and for good talent to find good work. So that was the idea. We wanted it to be an app at first. Um, I actually, I, I don't remember the last time I talked about this, like it's been a while, but I actually got some really good advice from this guy that his background was working for Airbnb in the early days. So he was on like, kind of close in with the development of Airbnb in the early days and like worked there for a while, ended up going and doing his own thing, doing some different direct to consumer brands. Mm-hmm. But I remember in the early days, kind of running the app idea by him and his big advice to me was, if you want to build that thing, you have to actually have some proof of concept and like actually doing the work before you mm-hmm. build an app. So that was always kind of in the back of my mind, which is kind of interesting. But really, the way you described it is exactly that. It just kind of happened, like without us really thinking about it. We we still thought we wanted to build the app. We were still kind of thinking about that. We yeah, actually, we had
0: we'd spent a couple thousand dollars of development. You know, yeah. kind of going in that in that position on everything,
1: just to develop out like some front end like. The way the app would look and everything but really we didn't know what we were doing or how we were going to do it and uh eventually we basically just heard about this lead for this huge contract and it was actually a government contract at first they were trying to get where we would have a ton of people being sent to a place to to do work for a certain period of time so we were trying to set that up that ended up not coming to fruition because with government contracts they're insane amounts of red tape and hoops to jump through but uh the next week i think it was we heard about this different this corporate contract through um Northwestern University and their college dining hall and they needed all these people to help fill this labor shortage and so we just got to work we we accepted the contract we told them we were down for it and we were ready to make it happen and we had no idea what we were in for but we made it happen, and uh, I think we had between fifty and sixty people on the ground working at one point, all making like biweekly pay, all making daily per diems. Which, oh god, <laughs> that was that was kind of a nightmare. I still um, have
0: nightmares about that.
1: Yeah, and uh, really in the early days of it, this first contract that we had, it was just all these people working, and it was our job to make sure that the wheels turned and ran smoothly. Uh, There were supervisors in place doing a really great job. And then a bunch of other people working in all these different areas. And it was complete chaos. But
0: complete chaos is is the best way to put it. Yeah.
1: But after maybe aging ourselves about 30 years, (laughs) we we got through it and got to the other end of it. Um, Everyone had a great time. And the, uh, the university was happy and the contract was fulfilled and we were like, wow, okay, this might be something. Maybe this is our business model.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's let's go into into that contract a little bit more because that whole comment you made about making sure everything ran smoothly that was the goal that was the goal <laughs> that that did not necessarily happen. the the amount of effort that it took to get this thing to happen was was absolutely insane yeah it was it was if anybody's seen the movie like war dogs to where it's just like just like figuring it out like that basically is these these people just like kind of randomly became arms dealers and were kind of faking it their way through i was thinking i was thinking i was like we're we're in war dogs right now in the staffing industry it was it was it was completely completely insane Ours was do it done completely legally, though I'll, I'll let, yeah. everybody know, let everybody know that right now. Everything was all, all important, differentiated. But but going from a week ago, where we're trying, we're in this tech kind of starter look of, you know, app development. To we are a full service staffing industry, which is a complete separate, you know, sector.
1: Staffing and logistics. Yeah, staffing so and
0: logistics to where not only we, we are figuring out how to find the find the chef, and then from there, it is up to us to get them to the contract. So we are scheduling Uber rides. We are figuring out flights. We are figuring out how they're getting from the airport where they're flying into to Minnesota. We are figuring out transportation. We are figuring out all the insurance behind this.
1: For dozens and dozens of people on a daily basis, mm-hmm. it was nuts.
0: Not Not to mention, we didn't have any systems... In place, and for some reason or another, in the contract we decided to have a per diem, which was it's it's a daily payment,
1: essentially an allowance to cover food and other expenses while you're on a contract.
0: Mm-hmm. Which um, I don't know if people know this, but if you just begin to start just paying people randomly when before in your account as a business was essentially zero people get suspicious really, really quickly and just begin to start shutting things down. So we quickly learned, okay, there's limits on Cash App, Venmo, PayPal. Zelle. Zelle. We had... Using, we had,
1: like, all these different payment services and running up against... Because it's dozens of people just hitting, like, payment limits left and right for all of us, and are so, all just trying to get it out. Um, because, again, we have no systems in place for paying these people. So
0: at the point of... Six When we had 60 people on the ground, we were sending out $3,600 per day.
1: Yeah. And most payment processor limits are like maybe $3,500 a month when you're first getting started. So we were like – it was a complete scramble. We had no idea what we were doing. It was nuts. So out of kind of all that pressure and kind of being forced to – we just began to search out for different ways to process this. And that's a thing we really wanted to kind of talk about. We were talking about off air, about the different points that we've gone through of kind of being able to create automation. If you're trying to scale a business, you have to set things into place to allow you to to run things at scale if you want to grow like that. So for us, a big thing was at that point just figuring out how to get payments out to people we ended up working with essentially like an offshoot of a payroll processor the system um, that allowed us to actually send out ach payments to people on like a daily or weekly basis and avoid some of those payment limits so that was a big thing but really in general the only reason we've been able to continue to grow this thing is because of putting different automations in place
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely. Trying to trying to do everything yourself is you're just going to work yourself to death. And that's one thing that I I really learned out of this was sometimes things are going to be more expensive and you're thinking, "Oh, I can just do it with the free versions on my laptop and I'll just kind of figure it out from there." I'm I'm going to let you know right now it is it is well worth it to pay for a CRM or yes. Um, some some sort of conversion that is going to save you, you know, e- even if it's just a couple minutes for every transaction, those those add up very very quickly. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, all kinds of systems. Like, we've got we've got hundreds of dollars worth of like recurring payments that we have to be responsible in our overhead now for like all these systems. But on the flip side of that, it's allowed us to actually process just a larger amount of work at one time and actually grow the company. And another thing I wanted to touch on here is, kind of a preconceived notion I had going into the company was that you kind of just, you select your systems, you get them in place and you just grow with that system. And I got kind of frustrated at different points starting this company because we were always talking about like, the new better system that we could put in place and kind of do things better. And I was always like, but we just spent so much time building out the CRM or yeah. <laughs> doing demos for the CRM. And now we're looking at other ones and it's, like it's kind of a waste of time. And I've kind of completely come around on that because really we've continued to identify better and better systems. Credit to Adam, our COO. He's always on the cutting edge of like, what could be a better system for doing these things. Um, and really, you do need to have that mindset in the operations of your business if you want to continue growing, because there pretty much is always a better way to do things. So if you can continue to identify those bottlenecks and things and just grow from there, that's the only way to scale.
0: Oh, absolutely. Uh, uh, absolutely. Well, it it's a sitting back and thinking about, OK, we are in the 21st century to where computers can do a lot more things now than what they used to do. I mean, literally by the, by the month at this point to where there's a new AI converter into everything. I, I was researching a, something the other day to where it was literally a AI um, type of system to where it would edit photos for me, Absolutely. to where I could basically just push things in and it'll, it'll edit the photos you know, specifically to, to kind of my liking on everything so i think it is looking at your industry and figuring out okay what are some ways that i can take away a lot of these hourly tasks because no matter what you're going to be paying for it whether it's your time or you're going to be paying for somebody else's time and a lot of times if you're going to be paying for somebody else's time to do it that's a lot you're actually going to spend way more money in in the long run
1: yeah Uh, yeah the the ai thing is fascinating i was um I was having a conversation with our mutual friend Devin Roberts who has been on the podcast a number of times about AI yesterday and this was so crazy I didn't really know that much about this but there's like there's different ways to have AI systems write things for you to like insane specifications. I was telling him about something I forget what it was but he basically he just sent me a text and it was this like these few paragraphs and it had completely summed up this like crazy point that i made to him about hiring i think it was something about hiring in this like few paragraphs and i was like how did you write that whole thing while we've been talking and he was like i just spit like a couple words into an ai and it was this like eloquently written thing that yeah it was like perfect i was like no way like ai is crazy technology is crazy and the best way to to stay ahead and continue growing with a company is to really get in the weeds and figure out how can technology take my business to a point where no other business in the same industry can catch up to me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. A, a good a good example of this is, I don't know if anybody knows who she is. Her name's Cody Sanchez. Do you know who that is? Mm-hmm. Her big component is buying businesses and then taking you know, like like a laundromat to where, okay, it's been profitable since the eighties, so the owner never switched anything up. Well, taking technology and infusing that and essentially just boosting that revenue mm-hmm. by making things quicker, faster, offering, you know, extra services by click of the button and everything.
1: Setting actual back end systems in place where exactly. there's likely none. Customer retention, there's a lot you can do with that. Setting up mailer systems through things like MailChimp or other other CRMs where emails are going out continuously in mass i mean there are inherent limitations to what you're able to do on the sales marketing front and just operations front that you'll never be able to get past on a human capital level but if you're implementing technology you can completely surpass that and that's that's a great point i actually saw one of Cody Sanchez's clips the other day where she was talking about how there is such an opportunity for young entrepreneurs and hungry business people right now that are trying to make a name for themselves in identifying big businesses that have been just built on goodwill winks and handshakes and like good service, but have always had this kind of inherent like mm-hmm. limit to the ability that they're able to grow because they're not implementing technology. There's so much that can be done in so many fields right now by just finding good crms finding good automations and allowing those businesses to be able to scale up way better
0: Mm -hmm. well yeah i mean if you if you think about it even even with us to where as soon as we implemented a, a system that adam brought to us and everything suddenly i didn't have to chase down invoices which meant that i have hours on my hands now to implement Uh, marketing plan.
1: This is such a big point. I think getting into that, we should start with where we were at before. This is maybe the single biggest night and day difference of our operations. Absolutely. Essentially, when we first started this thing, we had to collect these massive deposits. The only way we could do it, because we're a new company, and I mean, we had some money saved up that we ended up putting into this as like an investment to get it started, but we're what, 25 and 22 or 23 yeah. at the time <laughs> that we're starting this. So, I mean, it's not like we have a lot of money. Yeah, saved we, up. Do. we just have some money saved up that we've worked for and we are just starting this business. So we've got a little bit to put into it, not much. So we had to collect these massive deposits and convince mm-hmm. these big corporate companies to give us these huge deposits um, for these contracts so that we could actually make this work. Because... We got to pay these people. I mean, they're getting onto the onto the ground, and a couple weeks later, they need their first paycheck. Mm-hmm. So we had to collect these huge, and and also we're scheduling dozens of flights to get them there. So we had to collect these huge deposits and just manually follow up like crazy to get ourselves paid and reimbursed for all these expenses, and it was nuts. It was it took all of our time, all of our time. It, we. We were not able to even think about growing or scaling the business because we were constantly following up, creating invoices, sending them out, emailing. We
0: weren't in the weeds. We were in like the dirt. Yeah, we were were underground. We we were underground trying to dig ourselves out of it to where, okay, we can't think about a month from now. We're we're two days behind.
1: Yeah. And then another part of that is, so the system that we have, it allows us to not only automatically invoice the clients, but also it funds us. So we were doing collecting those massive deposits. Now the system actually gives us funding on the front end so that we can kind of float the the money that is needed to cover the, the expenses. And they take a small fee out of the ultimate revenue that we bring in in exchange for the funding so that we can actually take on a new client and not have to hit them with this huge deposit at the front end. They I, don't have to pay us until the work's done.
0: And this is how it used to work to where we used to submit a payroll and we'd always say, okay, we need it submitted by it was what, Tuesday? And we, we would, have to get paid we,
1: tomorrow.
0: <laughs> yeah. And we it was like we had to be we had to be sending out payroll by Friday. So I remember We had, it was the very first, this is the very first week, very first payroll we have ever sent out. I'm actually shooting a football game. It's Friday night, and I get a call saying the payroll never happened. So now we have all of these contractors working on the ground. This is the first time they've ever worked with this company, and we cannot pay them when we said that we were going to pay them.
1: Yeah. There were multiple times that you and I both had to just take like a huge chunk of our savings and just put it in the company because we were knew we were about to get paid yeah. from a client, but we hadn't yet, and we had to make sure people got paid, and we just had to take like a huge chunk of money and just throw it in mm-hmm. so that people could get paid on time.
0: Oh yeah, I, I, absolutely it was nuts. Absolutely, I mean the it was it was the the amount of of stress that goes into it, and not to mention. Whenever they didn't get paid, we were having a, we were calling them individually, and and you want to talk to an upset person, you know yeah. not, and and it always seemed that there was some sort of delay for the first couple of weeks mm-hmm. every single time. So people, you know, a lot of these contractors lost trust immediately. Which I mean, I would have I would have too. This, yeah, it's this brand new company. They flew they flew us out to this place to just start working, and then suddenly when they said they're going to pay us, they're not paying us like. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be pretty nervous too. Yeah. So, you know, I, I completely, completely understand that. And I'm, I remember we had a, it was, it was the very, I think, it, I think it was that very first week as well. I think it was, um, it was, it was some, it was some, you know, national holiday. So the banks weren't gonna be open till it was like Tuesday. Hot tip: then, If
1: you're a business owner dealing with payroll, <laughs> banks will take every single opportunity to have a bank holiday on a monday and that will screw you over if you're not anticipating it so oh, so anticipate it be ready for it
0: please please anticipate it please anticipate it cuz we we did not that was that was a that was a huge huge learning lesson that that we had to go through but yeah it was uh it was it it was, it was a rough rough way to do it and then you know fast forward a couple months to where where we we've kind of gotten over that leap, but we still have the issue of getting the payments, because we'd have the chefs work, and we a lot of times we would kind of front the money because we've gained the capital and everything. Mm-hmm. But it was actually usually my job to where I'm having to call all these different universities, all these different people, saying, "Hey, you know, where's where you know we sent this invoice? You know, a couple of days ago there there hasn't been any." any communication on it you know weeks would go by and we're still chasing this down and it it was it was a full-time job just making phone calls trying to track people down
1: yep and just dealing with like all the different little things that come up where they're like oh well our procurement cards can't cover that limit this week and it won't be approved until next week and then we'll be able to pay you and we're like
0: and then and then, and then afterwards we'll be able to pay you, but it actually won't process for another week and a half. <laughs> and that's if and then suddenly the processor, some whoever processes it, I don't know, may, may, they they might oh they went on vacation, so it'll be a nut, They'll be back next week, so then they'll pay it then. Yeah. And it, it's you know the the, I, I learned a lot of excuses I will say that I can use in the future for <laughs> yeah. for, for everything.
1: But the, the big point there is like you need to put systems in place to allow yourself to succeed. I mean, we we were forced to learn that very quickly, and luckily it's served us well, but it was a lot of stress, a lot of heartache, a lot of tough times because we were underprepared. So putting systems in place to allow yourself to succeed um, is very important. Another thing I really wanted to touch on is uh, – the other thing we were talking about off air is uh, this concept of scalability and saleability. The point here that I wanna make is if you are starting a business, whether it is your intention to eventually sell the business, try to get the business acquired, or it's your intention to stay in the business indefinitely, having the mindset of creating scalability and saleability is so important because it is gonna frame you in the direction of poising the the business for continued growth. So what I mean when I say scalability and saleability, we've talked a lot about the scalability part, is just putting the systems in place that allow you to increase the amount of business that you're doing without having to increase too much the input of work. So you're increasing, it's systems that allow greater output with with the same amount of input. So technology is where that comes in, putting the technology in place to create scalability. Salability, that comes in and similar thing. You're, you're putting the systems in place, but really you need to always be thinking about putting systems in place that allow the business to run in an automated way. So taking the little things that you do day to day as a business owner and Figuring out creative ways to automate those or outsource them to maybe someone that you hire or some piece of technology, some third party. The more you do that, really it creates the ability for that business to be sold. That's what I mean, saleability. But what that does is it frames it in a way where you're able to grow this business continually without the bottleneck of being limited and just the amount of work that you can put in as a business owner.
0: No, absolutely. And you have to think of it. You kind of brought up talking about, okay, you have to build the business up like you were to sell it. Not that you ever would sell it, but you know, things happen. Yeah. You know, people, people go down and suddenly they need to take a month off. You know, they have, they have emergencies. They, they get, people get sick to, to where if something happened to you, does that mean the entire business fails?
1: And also maybe your goals will change. Maybe maybe you are in your early 20s, you're trying to build a massive business, you find yourself 10 years down the road really wanting to spend time growing a family, traveling, whatever that may be. Maybe you do end up selling your business or maybe you don't. Maybe you stay in this business for your entire career. But the point is that having the frame of mind of, having the business ready to be sold at any minute just puts you in a better position as a business owner. It takes a lot of the pressure off and it allows you to make decisions for the business a little bit better and not out of desperation in a lot of cases. So I think scalability and saleability should always be the goal in growing a business.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. With everything I I will say, and you probably see this in, other parts of work to where this has been an easier way to scale it and kind of take keeps taking steps back on everything for for one because we we kind of we we really lucked out with with adam Mm -hmm. we we really lucked out with adam but a lot of the things in this type of business is i'm not going to say checking boxes on everything but it's it's a lot of to do list, mm-hmm. you know. It's a lot of it's a lot of operations management. It's not necessarily thinking, you know, thinking. Okay, we have to, we have to figure out, you know, what, what what's going to be happening next month and and everything. We we kind of have uh, found our way into an industry to where we found a great niche, and you know, we we can have the scalability part, so we can really focus on implementing pieces in place. I've noticed in my own, you know, my, my other business, to where it's it's much more difficult, in everything because you have. You think that's that, just
1: because it's more saturated.
0: Yeah, uh, I think so. I yeah. think so. That's a that's a that's a pretty big part of it. To where it's it's heavily based off of my skill and my knowledge, to where the reason that specific business has been successful. Was more so based off of my skill level, not necessarily the product and opportunity of the business.
1: You're hitting on a very important point here, which is this what some call the the key man factor in Mm -hmm. business. If you've got a business, a small business that has been built by, in in the case of Varnes Media that you're talking about, it's been very much built out by just all of the goodwill that you've put out there, the, the hard work that you've done, the networking that you've done. It's in many ways. And it, I think you're very humble. Whenever we'd start talking about this, I think it's surpassed this in a lot of ways and become kind of a brand name of its own, but at least at the beginning of it. And for a while, as you were growing it, it was very much like, it was people thought of it more as Andy Varnes and the, work that Mm -hmm. Andy Barnes is doing and not this like big company that Andy Barnes just happens to be at the head of. Um, and if you are in a position with your small business where you are the key man and it is all just, it's kind of this like cult of personality around you and the work that you're able to do. That limits the business in a way where it, it really doesn't have much saleability. If you wanted mm-hmm. to, for example, if you wanted to exit that business as that key man, there's no more business if you leave. E- exactly. Like, you. There's no incentive for someone to want to buy that or to acquire that or to enter into that because you walk the business walks out the door with you. So you should build your business such that if the if someone were to leave it the business doesn't walk out the door with them. Mm-hmm. And there's like multiple arms of business development and inbound and outbound marketing. And it's this kind of machine.
0: Mm-hmm. No, no, absolutely. So if you are looking to start a business, that that definitely is something to think about. Because I, I will say any younger entrepreneur that's looking to get into the thing, that's probably the the last thing on your mind. Is oh, I need to look out for the the key man effect on everything. But a good way to think about it is, okay, what are the steps? Is where Okay, if if this is going the the route that I hope it takes, what are the steps to where, okay, I don't necessarily need to be working these 80-hour weeks for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. What are some ways that I can put people in place which it's a lot easier said than done saying, oh, well, I'm going to just get another person to do everything that I'm doing because that doesn't work.
1: I think it's about continuously making sure to go out of your way and devote time to thinking about the things that you do on a weekly basis. And the reason I say that is because if you, if you sit down and you, you kind of map out your week to week basis and you say, okay, on this day I'm doing these things on this day, I'm doing these things on this day, I'm doing these things. You've got weekly things that you're always doing as a business owner You can start to identify different tasks that could be done differently. Right? We talked about the invoicing. In our case, we identify we we ended up finding a different solution for the invoicing. Where now that we found that, you and me have been able to focus on things that actually scale the business up to a much higher degree. Absolutely. Implementing different marketing things and other things. We're putting. We're building systems in place on the legal side. Um, And we're only able to do that because we were able to identify some core tasks that needed to be automated or put into the place of being run a little bit differently and move on from that. Um, So as a business owner, you need to continuously be a little introspective and look at, I mean, you might be very used to doing these different things, you might enjoy doing these things, but if you, if the goal is to grow the business continuously, you're not going to grow if you keep doing the same things that you're doing. So Mm -hmm. if you identify those tasks and you say, okay, I'm doing these things on a weekly basis, these three out of 10 things I have to continue doing on my own, but these other seven things could be put into other hands. Absolutely. And then maybe you hire someone and you train them to do those seven things and then all of a sudden you have all this bandwidth that you can put into putting the business on the cutting edge and growing it or maybe you find technology to take care of those seven things but you have to you have to continuously be identifying those things to continue growing absolutely so another thing that makes me think of is really what we're talking about here is it's allowing yourself the ability to work on the business versus working in the business. As a business owner, the biggest trap you can fall into is just getting stuck and bogged down in the operations, especially if it's this very thriving business with a lot of things happening. There are going to be a lot of things that need attention, and if you are devoting all your, all of your time to those things continuously, you're leaving no time potentially to actually grow your business and be introspective about those things, be focused on the growth. So just always having the mindset of, like, how can I put myself in a position to work on growing the business versus working in the weeds of the business?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And this doesn't mean that you need to dedicate, you know, a ton of time into this. It could be as little as you know, kind of kind of taking a couple minutes a day and kind of looking at your to-do list on everything and kind of scoping it from there. It's, it's crazy how you think that you're going to have so much work to get done and then you just write it down and you realize, oh, this, this opens up so clearly. Mm-hmm. So So maybe it is simply taking 30 minutes of your week to sit back, say, okay, how did we do well this week? How could we fix things to make next week better? you know, okay, we need to get this fixed. What are some ways that we can get this fixed? And it's it's crazy how how quickly things begin to open up by just giving yourself a few minutes. Yeah. You know, just, it, it doesn't have to be this this crazy, you know, pe- people, you know, I, I used to think that, oh, this is going away for, for a week and just sitting alone in a cabin and, you know, doing absolutely nothing, no technology and, like, really focusing on you know the ways to improve and everything no it's it it, is not that case it's it's more so driving without the radio on or music on and just sitting there and thinking to yourself what are some some ways that i can improve
1: yeah yeah and um i mean that's it's just so important to take that time and be intentional about it one thing that came to mind that i think has served us really well this is a very recent implementation but we've been doing these weekly reports, and for me at least personally, the way I go about this is I will make a, a list of things kind of throughout the week as I'm going of things that I've worked on during that week and the, the kind of details around that, and then a list of things that I want to work on the following week, mm-hmm. and that always kind of keeps an ongoing list of things that need your attention and they're getting your attention. And you can look at that list and start to say things like, oh, well, maybe that's not that important or maybe this is more important than I realized." And it, it just gives a little bit of objective feedback in that sense. Another thing I wanted to talk about is and, and on the same kind of vein is just doubling down on the strengths that you have as a business owner and then finding ways to cover your weaknesses, especially if you're a one-man show. I mean, business owners are always going to be wearing so many different hats and trying to do so many different things. And inherently, as a business owner, you're going to have strengths and you're going to have weaknesses as mm-hmm. a business owner, as a person.
0: Uh, I think a good example of this is... Taking a step back into the chef on the fly business to where you and me, uh, especially at the beginning, we we doubled down on working around Pete Mm -hmm. because Pete's strength was that he was an elite. I mean, you know, best of the best networker Yep. to where, you know, he is a salesman. this This guy
1: does not get off the phone he he's
0: completely i mean
1: he goes from one phone call to the next constantly all day he's he's always talking to people
0: exactly and so so that gave us a great opportunity to instead of being the hey i need to find someone that helps me with my weaknesses saying okay how can we help pete Mm -hmm. how can we how can we how can we make his life better to where okay? How
1: can we build around mm-hmm.
0: him? Yeah. How can we how can we build around him in the best way to where saying hey you focus strictly on this? Most people don't even know we exist in Chef mm-hmm. on the Fly, and we're perfectly fine with it. We're like you be the face, and we'll, we 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 we'll want the operations. Yeah. We'll, we'll we'll pick up we'll pick up a lot of the pieces behind you. You know me, you know me, you and you know Adam Michelle and everything to where we've all kind of made it a component to saying all right you focus on this one specific thing we'll handle the we'll handle a lot of the technical stuff we'll handle a lot of the the a lot of the back end stuff and and it's worked out really really well and it and it kind of helped me out saying okay when when I want to find you know when I want to find this person how can I how can I be looking in in this specific way uh the the same way that that we saw we you know we looked up to Pete saying okay how can we how can we help him to make his life easier so that he does what he's best at in you know being being this elite elite salesman and 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 networker to where that's that's all he needs to focus on you know keep keeping the main thing the main thing and you know we'll we'll kind of figure out the rest and for- and
1: and on this in the same vein we've discovered through this whole process that our strength is in the operations. It's, mm-hmm. it's identifying a list of tasks that need to be done and knocking out those tasks. Pete is very much like the, the driving entrepreneur type that is like focused on like bringing the company forward, talking to the people that bring those opportunities. We are making sure that all of that gets fulfilled on the back end and just handling that. And it's just very, very important to be objective about what your strengths and your weaknesses are because it takes so much effort to try to learn to cover your weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Not that you should never be focused on covering or strengthening your weaknesses, but it takes so much more effort to improve a weakness than it does to continue actioning on something that is a strength. So it just it's less efficient.
0: Absolutely, I think one way if you're a entrepreneur, if you're trying to get into this type of business, is to find that individual that is the idea man, the connect man, and you saying, "Hey, you know, I'm 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 humbling myself, and I'm gonna do whatever you need me to get done."
1: Does take a lot of humbling. You know,
0: yeah. it takes it takes you know it it'll it'll take a lot of a lot of effort on everything to where you. You are the operations of the idea man. Like and, and Pete's the emphasis of, of the idea man to where it's like a once a week thing to where he's got a new a new idea. And it's great. And it's great because and and probably nine out of ten are kinda like, all right, back burner, oh yeah, like maybe five years down the road that works and then but then some are like, Hey, this thing this thing's gonna might like pop off, you know, with with, you know, a good example to where we, we're looking into going into some some private sector stuff and you know somehow he's he's got us into where we might be working you know on on airlines yeah you know and it, and it was just kind of this happenstance of hey i have an idea and then now it's happening yeah and now it's saying okay great we got it going all right let's figure this thing out you know <laughs> so
1: an important dynamic that we also wanted to talk about was like partnership relations and how that works best we've Learned how to operate as partners in this whole dynamic. There's really kind of four of us at the helm of this thing now, and that's that's a lot of competing personalities moving in one direction. So I think an important part of that is, you know, the thing that made me think of this is he's got all these ideas. Really, we whenever he has these ideas, we kind of come together, especially if it's something we really want to action on, we all come together and we have an objective conversation where we mm-hmm. talk pros and cons and we talk goals of the business. And the, uh, the decision calculus for whether we're moving on with something is, does this serve the ultimate goal of growing the business? And to Pete's credit, to all of our credit, I think, we're able to kind of humble ourselves in those ideas because we all have different ideas we want to go forward with. I think we've been able to humble ourselves in the ideas that we have, and if it doesn't make sense to everyone, we don't move forward with
0: it. That's, that's actually that's a, that's a very good point to where... There are so
1: many ideas that we all have that nothing happens with them because... Maybe one person has the idea, the idea, and then the other three are like, eh, I don't know about that. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think the best part about being in a partnership is you gotta have you gotta have two things. Actually, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna say you gotta you gotta have one thing. You gotta have good communication. Yes, that's that's gonna be the the biggest part about if you're going to if you're gonna make it or not because. It is very, very difficult to, you know, to to work in a relationship day in and day out without getting, you know, without getting rubbed the wrong way. Mm-hmm. It is. I mean, it's like being it's like being in a uh, competing you know, personality. Yeah, it's, it was like being in you know a romantic relationship to where okay if you're spending time with someone in a lot you know for a lot of time, then you you're going to have these disagreements and it's okay. But in a lot of business partnerships, a lot of those disagreements begin to turn into something else. Mm-hmm. Which
1: Especially if mm-hmm. there's money on the line.
0: Exactly. Yeah. If there if there's money on the line and things can sour very, very quickly. Yeah. You know, it's uh it's 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 something though that I think is a big strength of ours mm-hmm. is that we have everybody I think everybody has very, very Different personalities. Yeah, I would agree. The the four of us have very different personalities, which is, you know, cons sometimes, but I think it's definitely more so a pro in everything to where everybody kind of has a a push and pull with with everything. But the thing that keeps everybody together is is communication. Is communication of, is this. The best move for the business. Mm-hmm. The business has come first every which way, you know, from this. And it has been a struggle to where trying to keep that as the main thing because life happens to where in your personal life, stuff will go down. And for one, it's up to you saying, I'm gonna put the business first. But it's also a big part for the other people around you to pick you up in that time too, yeah. to saying, Hey, you know, instead of bashing, you saying, Hey, you're not holding up your own weight or anything. It's saying, Hey, you're going through it. We got you. We'll hold it down.
1: Another thing on that subject is when you're a small business or a startup, or you're trying to innovate in some way and grow together, everyone's going to bring, we talked about bringing different ideas to the table. I mean, we talked about how Pete is really the big idea guy, but really all, we're all bringing different ideas to the table all the time because we're all very invested in the growth and the mission of the company. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's being willing to not attach yourself too personally to your ideas. I think that's very important. Mm-hmm. Bring in an idea. And there's a, a susceptibility to getting very attached to your idea ego falls into it. And if you bring in this idea and you're worried about whether it's going to be received well, and you, it, you there's a very high susceptibility to getting attached to it in a way where if it's not received well, you take it personally. Exactly. And yeah. You might even double down and say, no, no, this is the idea. This is the thing that's mm-hmm. going to work. And if you can avoid that and not get too personally attached to the ideas that you bring in. It allows you to be more objective. And when you're more objective and you're not pushing too hard for it, you could get that feedback from your partners and hear, okay, maybe it's not the best idea. Maybe mm-hmm. we don't pursue this.
0: Well, they're going to see things that you don't see. Mm-hmm. We, we all have different different strengths on everything to where we'll think this is a great idea and then Pete and Adam be like no this is a terrible idea because in the chef industry this means this and that
1: it's going to be perceived this way it, or that exactly
0: way. exactly and, and it's going to be in the exact same you know other way to where they hey this is a great idea and be like all right well the technology to do this hasn't been invented yet yeah. so you know it's this it's it's this kind of give and take of going into it with the idea knowing that okay, Adam knows more about the operations than, you know, both of us. So in that sort of field, he has the say to mm-hmm. where I'm going to respect his opinion over ours every time. Pete knows the industry more than us to where, you know, I'm going, you know, I'm going to respect his opinion over mine in this and and it seems like that that works out, you know, to where everybody kind of understands, okay, in, in these specific areas, you know, one person is going to know more, which works perfectly.
1: Recognizing each other's strengths in the areas that they operate in and just realizing that person's vote counts for more in that particular area. Exactly. If we're talking about the marketing stuff and we and say that it's 50-50 between the four of us, but you're on one side We're going to go to that side because you have more of a say in that. If Mm -hmm. it's financial, same thing for me. If it's on the chef side and Adam and Pete are on one side and it has to do with the actual industry and the way things are going to be perceived and the way things need to be in the industry, they get final say on that because they know that area the best. Absolutely. And you have, it takes a lot of humbling because you get very attached to ideas, your ego falls in and you want to be right. But if you can just understand that there's a lot you can do. Mm-hmm.
0: And and this isn't saying that there isn't disagreements, because yeah. there 100% is. There but 100% is some some heated arguments here and there, and, you know, people people have differing differing ideas and differing issues going on and everything, and it, it comes down to is, I think, personally, we all know that we want the best for each other. Mm-hmm. You know, we we aren't out for ourselves to to get something out of this. We we're out for everybody to, to to work. And if you have a person to where they are in it for themselves, it it shows up. It it shows up in the end. It does. And and that's when the issues start to rise.
1: It really comes down to having a shared mission and really falling back on that. We've kind of hinted at that a couple times. We all are devoted to the growth and continued success of the business, and you can always fall back on that. You can, you can have disagreements, even heated arguments about something, but if you fall back on the, okay, we, this side of the group of us does not think this is the best thing for the business, mm-hmm. and the other side can respect that. Then you can move forward knowing that you're all devoted to the same mission. Falling mm-hmm. back on that same mission is so important, and I think a big point in there is if you have not defined that in your business, even if you're even if it's just you, it, this is important. But especially if you have partners, if you have not defined your shared mission, that is paramount. You have to do that. Because that is going to be the thing that you fall back on in tough times and disagreements.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and you just have to put the put the business first. You know, end all be all.
1: Yeah, it's the end all be all. And if you're if it's just you, if you don't have partners, you're gonna be faced with so many decisions. You have to weigh the pros and cons of everything. And if you can always fall back on that mission that you have, that's going to carry you forward. Another thing I wanted to talk about kind of in the same vein of just, you know, putting the business first is the financial side of things. So a big point that we had talked about off air that we wanted to make is that if you want to ultimately make a business succeed, it's in the same lines of like, some things we've talked about is like humbling yourself, being able to kind of not attach your ego to things. Another thing similar to that is just being able to delay your gratification. So what we were talking about is just the fact that like if you want if you have the ultimate vision of having this business succeed, you might have to delay paying yourself for a certain amount of time. For example, I mean, we were talking about the fact that it's always blows my mind when we kind of recount this, but for the first really year and a half of running this business, you and I didn't pay ourselves a dollar aside from reimbursing certain expenses. Yeah. Year,
0: you year, year and a half of a business, eight months of a profitable business. Yeah. Eight
1: months of a profitable business without paying ourselves because we'd set very strong financial goals that we felt conservatively speaking, just had to be in place for us to continue growing without exposing ourselves to too much risk as a business. And if we were not at that, we were not going to pay ourselves any extra. So we didn't begin paying ourselves until we had exceeded those goals. And I think setting minimum, really for us, it was setting minimums around the operational capital that we needed to have. So we set a very specific amount that we needed to have in the bank ready to deploy for any kind of operations. And if we had not even reached that amount or didn't have that amount from month to month, we weren't taking a dime because we didn't feel like the business was risk-proof. So that was very important to us. And I think as a business owner, I mean, you have to just realize whatever that means for you, like the ultimate goal really is the business has to succeed if you've decided that that's the goal. And whatever that means for you, you've got to just adjust around that. If that means that you've got to do some work on the side, maybe you got to drive Uber or maybe you're in your full-time job still, you have to continue doing that to make sure that you can meet, make ends meet and still have the financial goals that you've set in place To continue growing the business
0: yeah yeah absolutely i think when you first get started and everything you need to give the business the best chance it has Mm -hmm. and with that it doesn't mean paying yourself i think mark cuban he's a he's a really big advocate of this but basically building the business without paying yourself anything so you have just strictly cash flow that you can just keep reinvesting it back into the business. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of trying to double your money every time, every time, every time, just keep reinvesting it. And eventually, if you continue to just kind of recycle that over and over and over again, you're gonna be you know, sitting there saying, oh, great, now I can take a step back. And you know, I have this kind of profitable business where it has things in place, it has revenue coming in, and I can comfortably be taking money. Yeah. But the issue is most people aren't willing to do that because they don't want to go through that uncomfortable stage of taking of working basically two jobs, which is going to be, you know, obviously very, very tough and very time consuming. But if you can't do that in the front end, then it's, it's never going to be successful. If you try to take money right off the bat and everything when you don't necessarily need to you just feel that, oh, I deserve this, mm-hmm. then you're you're going to hurt the business and it's not going to succeed near as quickly as what it could have been if you just taken that thousand dollars and upgraded the equipment or maybe outsourced it to somebody else so that they can get those skills. Paid where... for
1: a new technology. Exactly. Yeah. And really what that comes down to is if you're if you're taking that money too early your interests and the business interests are not aligned you mm-hmm. have to align your own interests with the business and that's not easy to do but doing so will bring you great growth
0: to yeah the business absolutely i mean at the at, at one point i was i mean for for one i was i remember at the beginning of everything i was working part-time i was still a full-time student I was trying to pay myself and build my photography company and I was doing the chef stuff. So the so, you know, the photography stuff I wasn't paying myself really with it. Like I was basically just trying to live off of the part time job. Yeah. And that took a lot of sacrifice to where people are going out, spending time with friends and family and everything. And I'm saying, No, I'm I need I need to work. And I'm starting to see the fruits of my labor now, but this is three years. This mm-hmm. has been, this is going on three years. It's kind of, I started this journey. So, yeah. but a good way to think about it is I'm 24, you know, and you've
1: set the systems in place that are going to allow you to continue being successful for years and years to come. Exactly.
0: Exactly. You know, the, uh, a great way to think about it is, uh, what's the, what's the term of eat the frog in the morning? Mm-hmm. So Yeah, you
1: eat, eat the frog, you just do the hardest thing first.
0: Yeah, do do the hardest thing first. So if you're getting started if you're if you're graduating high school, I'm gonna let you know right now. Just just go ahead and start trying out different things, trying out different passions, Find to where you don't need to pay yourself anything. You can be you're supposed to be completely broke. You're supposed to have no money. So if you are making money from some sort of little business, just keep throwing it back in there because it's 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 basically play money you get to you get to try and learn new things and you get to just kind of you know live life the way that you're supposed to be living life yeah
1: invest into increasing your capabilities in every way that you can whether that's putting it directly into your business whether that's finding different avenues to educate yourself to improve your business or whatever you're doing your job invest back into yourself and your business in your early 20s that's that's the biggest thing that i think we've both been committed to and it's served us really well so far Mm -hmm. i try to put as much money as i can back into myself and the business because it's proven to be successful absolutely and really just that that ability to delay gratification for the greater goal is such a big point and that if is. you
0: can if you can do that in this you can do that in every other step of life that's i think a like jocko willick he's he's a big component of that discipline equals freedom mm-hmm. if you can put the work in in the gym for that delayed gratification to where okay you don't notice it that day you don't mm-hmm. notice it the next day you don't notice it the following day but 3 months from now that delayed gratification it's it's going to be shown if you decide not to spend money on food for today or the next day or the next day or the next day, okay, it may not seem like that $10 adds up, but in a month and a half, in two months, suddenly you have an extra $500 sitting in your bank account that you can go use use with it. So if you can figure out a way to delay gratification in just all walks of life, I guarantee your your life is going to be better.
1: It's very rewarding. And that's not to say it's easy. This is what we're describing here is very simple. It's less easy than it is simple. Absolutely. Um Layla Hormozy made a really good point recently that I heard, which was that and this is to go to the fact that it's not easy. These are things that you have to actively push against your first your first kind of reaction of what you want to do to in order to delay gratification. And there's a lot of strength that you build internally and a lot of credit internally that you build by doing things like that. And the point that Layla Hormozy made recently is she was like, the difference between successful people is because people feel the same way about things. I mean, like, you, you feel the same way. You might not want to work out first thing in the morning and, so does someone else, but the difference between someone who's going to be successful is that they just act differently. Absolutely, and you,
0: and you just do the thing. And, and by the way, this is us preaching to ourselves. It's not like we're trying to give a. I didn't work exa- out first thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this, this isn't a. This is what we have done. This is what we have been trying to do. Yeah. And a lot of times it's unsuccessful, but it's the
1: most times. It's yeah, it's successful.
0: It's hey, tomorrow I'm gonna try again, you mm-hmm. know, and just try to keep keep growing just a little bit at a time yeah and
1: and there's a good point in there too i mean we just said like most i I think honestly most of the time it's unsuccessful a lot of times you don't do the thing you need to you know you need to do and it's uh it's very important not to beat yourself up about that either like don't punish yourself for not doing the thing you know you need to do because that's gonna just take you further from the goal that you're trying to create you're gonna Get, put yourself in a rut for not doing it. Yeah, you exactly. Don't punish yourself for not doing the thing and just say, okay, I'm just going to get back on that horse and keep moving a little bit incrementally in that direction. That's the way to do it. Tomorrow's a new day. Exactly. And any other little cliche piece of business advice we could possibly yeah, think of? Exa- yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so the the I think we've covered a lot of the biggest things we wanted to talk about with the inception of the company and the way it's grown over time, I mean, to kind of sum up a lot of what we covered, a big focus early on was just turning the chaos of a successful concept into an organized thing, Um, creating automation, finding technology, finding employees and help in different areas that allowed us to do that. That's the big important thing there. Um, creating scalability and saleability, making sure that that's present in the business. Uh, Just always being willing to find new and better systems, putting yourself in a position to work on the business versus working in the business. Um, If you have partners, communication, transparency, uh, detaching your ego from ideas and being willing to work towards the same mission and the same vision, and uh, just really looking at your ideas and your goals objectively and making sure to always act in a way that is in favor of the mission, whether that means delaying gratification for certain things or doing things you don't want to do. Um, a lot of those things have served us well in growing the business that we're growing.
0: Absolutely. And and, and we forgot to, to hit on one thing that we kind of brushed over. We decided to just jump in and do it. Mm-hmm. when we first got the opportunity we didn't have you know we we could have said no this is a good idea but you know we're not ready for it necessarily no we said hey we may fail at this but mm-hmm. we're we're going to take it we're going to take a chance
1: we knew full well we had no idea what the hell we were doing but we figured it out
0: exactly exactly and and i think it's y- you just have to do that sometimes to where now we get to be much more calculated on everything to where we say hey let's get systems in place let's kind of be much more calculated but if you have nothing to lose if all you're putting in is your time is maybe just a few hundred dollars to get yourself started on the new a new business or anything then just just jump in Mm -hmm. and if you lose all your money You learned a great lesson. I guarantee that that was a very good lesson to learn.
1: Yeah, you learned how not to do it. Exactly. So that when you eventually figure out how to do it, you've crossed one way not to do it off the list. Exactly. Well, anything else you can think of that we haven't covered that we should cover? I guess the the goal for us looking forward is just to continue growing the company. Obviously, that's the mission. Um, putting more and more pieces in place to expand and grow it. Uh, A big thing, a big focus for us right now is looking at people that have helped in different ways and that have worked for the company in different ways and finding ways to promote from within. Uh Um, We touched on it briefly, didn't cover it too much. So I'll take a second to cover it right now. Really the proof of concept for us, for this has been Adam. Adam's been incredible. He was He was a contractor on our first ever contract, and here we are over closer to a year and a half later, and he is the COO of the company because he's been the right guy for the job and the problem solver and the guy that figures out how to get things done continuously.
0: You you want to talk about a diamond in the rough.
1: Yeah, for real. He's just continued to grow with the company, and we've got other people in the company that have shown similar promise that we are actively finding ways to promote and give opportunities to. And I I think that's a very important thing. If you're, if you have any employees is you, I'd really believe in promoting from within if possible.
0: Absolutely. You know, Adam, Adam will be the CEO of chef on the fly one day. Yeah. You know that, that's, he gets it. Yeah. That, that looks like what's going to end. And because we, you know, be, because there are people that are in place, we can see the steps that we can begin to take mm-hmm. on everything, and it's it's just been it's just been a blessing of, of of trying to build this business from from where we were about a year ago to to now to where we were completely running around rampant with our heads cut off, yep. trying to figure out how in the world to run a staffing company to, to, to now to where we, you know, we, we are a legitimate company to where huge corporations are, are, are wanting us to work with them. And it's it's looking like it's going to be a very successful company. And, you know, we're going to be very conservative as we build it now yeah. that you know we've kind of established ourselves and we're going to be calculated and we're gonna we're kind of gonna see what you know 2023 brings us
1: yeah we're just gonna to stick to that mission and keep growing this thing
0: absolutely to the moon to the moon
1: <laughs> well with that all that being said it's a little bit of a unique episode I've, I've asked you my outro questions many times already so I won't get into those but it's been great talking about the company. I'm excited to continue growing it with you, Adam and Pete, and I uh, think we'll probably have a a podcast with the two of them as well coming soon. If anybody um,
0: yeah. has any any questions, if we do a sequel, just you know, yeah. let let us know, let us know in the comments. We'll, exactly. we'll we'll bring them all up. Yeah, exactly. And
1: uh, till then, we're just gonna keep growing this thing the best way we know how and learning from it. Absolutely. Well, this has been Profession Session. I've been your host, Brody Vinson. My guest has been Andy Varnes, and we have been growing chef on the fly for a little while now. We're going to keep growing it and see where it takes us. Thanks so much for tuning into Profession Session. I'm your host, Brody Vinson. Stay tuned for new episodes every week and short clips of deep dives into specific topics that I put out on different social media channels. We could be found on YouTube, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, TikTok, all major podcast platforms. You can find my guest in the details of this video or podcast. And if you happen to know a young standout business owner, professional, or entrepreneur that you would think would be a good fit for profession session, DM me or get in contact with me anywhere and just let me know. And they could be the next to tell their story here. Until next time, again, this has been profession session. Stay focused, stay hustling and stay networking.